listening to Soul Search Podcast with Ava and Marcella. A podcast dedicated to exploring mental health issues in relation to race, identity, and culture. We are recording. Yay! Hey, hey, hey. How y'all doing today? Hi, everybody. Long time no talk. Huh? Long time no conversation. Because we definitely have been um, in the midst of like holidays since mm-hmm. the last time we recorded. It was very much like around the time of what, preparing for Christmas? Yeah, you're right. Oh my gosh. Or was you're it right. even Thanksgiving? It was. It was preparing for like holidays and things like that. And then, um, and then the holidays actually came and we both yes. got caught up in that and all. So yes, it's been a minute, but so it's okay. much. Yeah. And excuse my voice. Cause I feel like I sound like a, <clears throat> there we go. <laughs> it, was so, it was bothering me. Um, but side note, I was one of those kids in school. Like, if I was sick, I hated being called on for like answering questions because I'd be like, really? "My voice is gonna crack." Because <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I like it when people's voices sound like that, unless it's consistent. Like, you know how people will talk like, uh, like, like uh, long. I don't yeah. that I can't stand <clears throat> that I can't stand. But if it's like a crack or whatever, or like people are clear in their throats, I'm like, oh, it's cute. <laughs> it is kind of cute, but I was always, you know, the Virgo in me. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> this is not who I am out in the yeah. Um, so yeah, we've we've been busy with life. A lot of things have been happening, but we, for me, I know I reached out mm-hmm. to Marcella and I was like, in an attempt to obtain some normalcy in my life, let's yes. record because yeah. a lot of transitions, a lot of changes, and it's just like that. It's a part of life, and sometimes within that, I know for me, it helps to kind of do something that brings me like joy and like kind of. Mm-hmm gauges my focus to something that's a lot more directed yeah um so yeah we decided to record this weekend and just kind of like tap into something that I think has come up in the show maybe not like directly but inadvertently it has right um we're going to be talking about attachment theory and Mm -hmm. implications here and there when it comes to people of color um but overall just kind of like exploring it and how we see it show up in our work. And I guess also in, in ways that I, for me, I was thinking too, like how we can assess it in ourselves and maybe like other, other people, you know, mm-hmm. like how, and our relationships with them. Right. Right. I, yes. I, I think I like that you brought that up so we can be mindful to, to talk about that a little later because um, if you are able to notice it in other people or within your relationships, um, you may be able to then kind of navigate what could potentially be like a codependent relationship mm-hmm. or a relationship without boundaries. You know, mm-hmm. if you're mindful about attachment styles, how you attach to others, how someone may attach to you, yeah. um, maybe you don't know exactly, but maybe you can pick up on certain signs and things like that, um, then you can hopefully have some healthier relationships. Yes, definitely. Okay. I think it can. it's one of those things um, that I think shows up a lot in in therapy for folks who are like seeing a marriage and family therapist mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because you kind of have to know about the family of origin in order to know about the family of is it choice? Yeah, like right, right. You, you create with a mm-hmm. with a spouse or even in your friendships, mm-hmm. it can show up. Um, 
and it can kind of help us to have some empathy for folks and understanding like their personal experience and how it shaped their attachment style. Yeah, absolutely. So, so do you, I know you pulled up the definition. Should we read I, the definition? Yeah, I pulled up. So first things first, just to give a little background, there's this book that mm-hmm. I found recently by an uh, LMFT, a licensed marriage and family therapist named Annie Chin. And it's called the Attachment Theory Workbook. And I think she put this together for folks who just maybe want to learn about attachment theory and to learn about it within themselves and maybe even for therapists whenever they're working with someone and they're like, you know, focusing in on that and like learning about it um, and bringing some self-awareness to the folks who, you know, maybe struggling with their attachment style and figuring out how to navigate it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So let's take a look. Attachment theory was created by this gentleman. I forgot about him. Yes. <laughs> Sir John Bowlby, right? Yes, yes. And Mary Ainsworth as well. Um, so they began developing like the core of what it is in like the 20th century, mid 20th century. Mm-hmm. So it's been some, some talk about this for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically their original theory says that infants develop better socially and emotionally when they form a close bond with their primary caregiver who's good at reading their cues and responding to their needs in a warm, sensitive and timely way. Mm-hmm. So attachment style goes back to those like basic needs mm-hmm. and how those basic needs like transmit this emotional response Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in in any human being like you know you ever notice when you're hungry mm-hmm. as a grown person I notice when I'm hungry my thinking is not as clear I might be a lot more emotional a lot more irritable mm-hmm. and agitated when you're not sleeping at mm-hmm. night those of the, those of us that may struggle with like sleeping um that's another thing it's that wellness aspect and so mm-hmm. whenever you're a baby an infant a toddler a a child a teenager there are certain things that you get from the people you came from Mm -hmm. the people that raised you um and if there's some type of like glitch in there or there if there's issues that are occurring or if there's not like this this clear communication whatever it may be it causes us to kind of falter when it comes to our attachment style developing over time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so with that being said um there are four of them, correct? Like four yes. umbrella ones. Yes. And in here, in in Miss Miss Annie, girl, I hope I see you at a conference one day because this <laughs> is a really good book, and I'm going to tell you it's great. So <laughs> it's broken down. Yes. <laughs> into the anxious attachment style, the avoidant attachment style, okay. the secure attachment style. But then she, the so it, she just has those three. But isn't there something else? So I so there's the you said avoidance secure um there anxious. is the anxious and then there should be anxious avoidant anxious avoidant I, let me double check that um I don't want to be saying right. um but yes I believe they added the fourth one um I believe they added the fourth one so let me double check I know for sure. Um, while Marcel is looking into that, the anxious one is one that a lot of folks bring up. And something else that I was reading from, I think that it's this, the Brighton School or something in the UK, they had this really great article online where they were discussing how a lot of folks that go to therapy or seek therapy typically mm-hmm. have anxious 
attachment styles for the most part. Really? Because a person with an avoidant attachment style may not have that awareness of the fact that they struggle with certain things. Right. No, that totally that totally makes sense. So okay, so it seems like some people like they it seems like they um there's the four overarching like attachment styles that seem to really show up in a bunch of different places. But you know what? I'm noticing like, okay, so I'm noticing secure is pretty like standard. Like, like right. most places have secure, but I'm seeing like anxious, preoccupied, dismissive, yes, avoidant, and then fearful avoidant. So, I mean, I would imagine that still boils down to secure, anxious, avoidant, and then anxious, avoidant, or fearful avoidant is what I think some places call them. Yes. Does that yes. make sense? Yes, it does. Because I've seen different things too. And I think it all derives from Bobby's whole experiment with the children mm-hmm. and whatnot. Figuring out the feeding and all that. Yes. And didn't, okay. Um, this Whenever I was reading a little bit more on attachment <laughs> theory, who is Harry Harlow? Does she bring him up? Because isn't he another guy who- He might be later. Okay, because I remember when I was studying for the NCE, one of my little, um, and the NCE is how counselors um, are able, we have to pass this test to practice. Um, Yeah, and so Harry Harlow, I think, worked with John Bowlby or maybe came after him. Yes, no, they work together. I'm reading it now. And so the way I remembered was, okay, I remembered like, okay, John Bowlby, Harry Harlow, Harry Potter, Harry Potter had attachment <laughs> issues. <laughs> and that's what helped me remember, like, oh okay, my gosh, with attachment. <laughs> Girl. But, but no, that makes sense to me that, like, they would say that someone with anxious attachment would come to therapy because um, more readily, maybe, yeah, more readily able to accept that, like, they have, like, they can maybe sense um, their desire to have these relationships that aren't necessarily formulating in the way that they want to. And, um, and then maybe someone with avoidant attachment either wouldn't, not that they wouldn't have the insight, but maybe not the desire to build a relationship Mm -hmm. with a therapist in order to work on some of these things. Yes. I, I, that's what pretty much the gist of it. And they were saying Mm -hmm. basically with, with folks who are anxious, a lot of times they, that attachment style as time to, like goes on they may like be apt to give up out of frustration they know mm-hmm. that they have that attachment style but it mm-hmm. is one that is very in, it's all of them are pretty in, embedded after time like I think it's very difficult to overcome or like learn how to work through them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it was so sweet because at the end they were like it is highly possible it just takes a lot mm-hmm. of hard work Mm-hmm. reprogramming your thinking mm-hmm. but with that being said just kind of this is something else I found I found a um an article through very well mind where they were talking about the patterns of attachment that's how they that's what they call them mm-hmm. um so they have the ambivalent mm-hmm. avoidant disorganized and secure so mm-hmm. it's like they and then I see other ones that are like mm-hmm. I saw a preoccupied somewhere and I'm right. like what in the world so right. With all that, Marcel and I, we, we talked about this before, is just like, it's so, it's a very, very heavily complex and layered theory. Mm-hmm. Yes. But overall, it's kind of like a, a simple, the gist of it is pretty simple. It's, mm-hmm. it's how you develop your attachment style over time mm-hmm. through your interactions with your caregivers, basically. And then over yep. your stages of development with friends, with teachers, with Mm-hmm. just over times it changes so 
with that, looking at the ambivalent attachment, which I think those, that one is a lot, a lot of times, I guess, disorganized too. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that anxiousness. I think. And then the, which one? The ambivalent? Like ambivalent and, and this disorganized as well seems that way. So. And disorganized, like when, when I think of the disorganized, I could be getting this totally wrong. Cause you know, disclaimer, me and Ava are in the beginning of our attachment theory exploration, you know, mm-hmm. I, um, we touch on this in our, in our schooling, but you know, it takes a long time to mm-hmm. really, you know, for one to call themselves, oh, I'm an attachment based therapist. Like that right. takes <laughs> Oh, wait, training and training and years and, and certification. And so, mm-hmm. and so as you can tell me and Ava are kind of, you know, still learning about all the ins and outs of the terminology. But when I've thought of disorganized, I've thought of not only it, it reminds me of the anxious and avoided in that mm-hmm. they perhaps are longing for relationships, but in their behaviors, um, they are not achieving that. So maybe they're distancing, but then they're um, mm-hmm. also anxiously attached. So it's this, again, disorganized. It doesn't maybe quite make sense. Yes. Um, you know, I mean, we can probably research, we need a research team research. Can you look that research. <laughs> but, um, but it is interesting how different websites, different papers, different, um, books will have the, like, it's almost the same terminology, but not quite. So it's a little bit confusing. Yes. And I have some information on disorganized just cause it's right. not one that's commonly talked about. And I kind of want right. to dive into this one a little bit more now. Um, okay. I found a couple things on disorganized that I had saved. But in this very well mind article that just goes over um, the types and patterns, with a disorganized attachment, children display a confusing mix of behavior, seeming disoriented, dazed, or confused. They may avoid or resist their parent. Lack of a clear attachment pattern is likely linked to inconsistent caregiver behavior. So basically a child with a secure attachment is going to always pretty much get food when they need food they're always get affection when they Mm -hmm. ask for affection they're um, always going to know if I go to mom or dad or whomever that they're going to give me what it is that I'm pretty much asking Mm -hmm. for when it comes to my needs at that moment Mm -hmm. whereas a child with um, disorganized they don't see that it's not clear to them they don't associate it with it's kind of like a toss-up or it's inconsistent as it says um and and it makes me think of like okay so if you okay if you grew up in a secure attached environment securely attached environment whether that's with parents and grandparents and then when you go to school and your peer relationships are very consistent maybe no Mm. bullying you know just a healthy environment you know all around that's going to create a like that's that would make me think your nervous system is going to be um, you're not going to be triggered, easily triggered. You're not going to have fight or flight responses yes. with, when certain things come up because your brain isn't wired to react that way. Mm-hmm. Right. But then when you have maybe an anxious attached child or our adult, you know, yeah. um, or, um, that disorganized that you're speaking about to me, I would think, okay, maybe this person was raised in an abusive home or a neglectful home, or heck, maybe it's not even to that extreme. It just may be the parents weren't emotionally there it may, yes. or or maybe they were absent because they had to work a lot and then they mm-hmm. were raised by neighbors and babysitters and stuff mm-hmm. that's going to create something in your nervous system to where yes. you know I could see how when it comes to different relationships they're getting like their brain is like oh danger distance yourself get away when maybe that, 
that relationship mm-hmm. isn't necessarily a threat. Yeah. It just appears to be a threat. It appears. This one is so quite fascinating. That's what I think of, of like how their body and their brain mm-hmm. responds to that stimuli based on how they were raised. Yes. And you're right on point, Marcella, because mm-hmm. I found this other thing. There's this lady who creates a lot of attachments based informational things. And she's a social worker named Sharon Martin. And I found her stuff on social media. Mm-hmm. It's really helpful. She put together a disorganized attachment, like informational thing that um, goes over what someone with a disorganized attachment might think or say, Mm kind of give you an idea. So you can identify Mm -hmm. these things within yourself. Mm -hmm. So she's saying this person might think or say, I want to be close, but I'm afraid of getting hurt. Mm -hmm. People are generally untrustworthy and getting Mm -hmm. hurt is inevitable. So there's this like this Mm -hmm. hopelessness. Uh, Mm -hmm. and like this this pessimism to a degree that's been developed because like in order to empathize I mean if you don't get that at home if you don't experience consistency and you have been Mm -hmm. let down a lot Mm -hmm. you're going to have those types of thoughts relationships are confusing right people always let me down might as well in this relationship because I don't think you really love me Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm afraid of my partner. My partner is unpredictable. So they, they're viewed as unpredictable. Mm-hmm. They also think mm-hmm. that they're, the other people that they have relationships with are unpredictable as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of like skeptics. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and it seems like, it seems like while many people's desire, well, and maybe this is specific to the disorganized, that anxiously avoidant, their desire is the closeness, but they don't have the tools mm-hmm. to navigate that. And so then exactly. they avoid. And so their behaviors are like, um, what's it called? Um, self-sabotaging yes. in yes. some ways. But, and it, it, how confusing that must be for a person where it's like, oh, I want these relationships, but but I also don't. Yes. <laughs> and, or, 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 you know, I get in this relationship and, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I want out. And, I want out. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. So super confusing. So, I mean, getting to know your style of attachment or, you know, maybe even looking at your partners, like if, especially if there's conflict within a relationship, maybe you're in this relationship and you're not sure what's going on, getting an idea of where your partner lands. Um, not saying you have to, you should diagnose them, but maybe mm-hmm. that's exploration that can be done in therapy with your partner can kind oh, of yeah. help, can help, you know, kind of um, untangle all of that. Yeah. Cause it can be very tangled, especially if you're two folks that are trying to have a relationship and both of you have an anxiety based like an anxious based attachment style that can be pretty difficult also those of us that may Mm -hmm. be more on the secure end if you're experiencing that and you're dealing with a person with a disorganized right avoidant how do you how do you figure that out that's so because if you grew up at home and that's another thing that it made me think of Mm -hmm. is how I've talked to clients and friends and people just in passing about how they're partnership with their spouse or their boyfriend or girlfriend um their raising was so different people bring it up so much they're like oh well he had this many siblings and I was an only child or Mm -hmm. my parents worked all the time he always he had a stay-at-home mom growing up whatever Mm -hmm. it may be and it's like there's this comparison with those Mm -hmm. kinds of things and in within that every time anyone I've talked to, and even for myself, thinking about my own relationship, when you look at those implications, there's attachment-based stuff all up and through there. Yep. All, in every single crevice, nook, and cranny, there is 
something based in like attachment because of the fact that like was the person present was was the person who took care of you able to give you the things that you needed were Mm -hmm. they given the things that they needed that's Mm -hmm. another thing this is one of those generational a hundred percent because if someone was raised if you know your parent was raised in a uh maybe tumultuous environment Mm -hmm. um that's gonna affect how they raise you or if they were raised in a secure environment that's gonna affect how they raise you so it is um it's it's cool but it's also like in some ways tragic in that how it does transcend generations depending Mm -hmm. on you know how your family system was it makes me think of like people who grew up in the depression and then how they parented and how they parent it's I mean it yeah we are still you know receiving the effects of Of, people who went through that and that's going back to um when Ava told me she wanted to talk about this you mentioned people of color specifically Mm -hmm. and so then when we think about slavery and then how you know I mean that is still affecting today's generation 100% and because people families were separated um you know people were beaten and abused and all these things that's gonna affect how a person parents their child um if they even had the opportunity at that point Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, the descendants of people who went through that are still healing. Still to this mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and that's why whenever there's these conversations about how like we tend to bring up people who have been through traumatic things mm-hmm. within their social, racial, mm-hmm. ethnic groups mm-hmm. have dealt with something particular, even geographically, because mm-hmm. since... Like I have family that grew up, that lived in Oklahoma. I have family members mm-hmm. that actually still live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And the Tulsa, the the Black Wall Street. Oh yeah. Or, like yes. what happened with that in history? Yes. A lot of us may have just learned about that. I know folks mm-hmm. didn't learn about that un- until they watched Watchmen on HBO and Lovecraft Country on HBO. Wow. Because there yeah. are scenes that are based in that because that was such a big time. It was a small little city. But folks in that area, they talk about it a lot because it was definitely something that affected the thought process and like the reaction of these mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. and how they navigate their lives and, and the things that they have feel they need to teach their children. So it's like there there's implications culturally within attachment based. Right. hundred percent. How people are raised in, in certain areas and the things that they have to consider when it comes to danger, when it comes to taking mm-hmm. care of them, you know, whenever you're in a more comfortable space and you feel mm-hmm. that you can just live life freely, I guess, if that is a good way to describe it, but basically living without fear of mm-hmm. something happening to you mm-hmm. or what have you, um, those types of things affect how a parent is going to raise their child and how their child yep. is going to receive that parenting. Because mm-hmm. I know folks too, I can think of many situations with women of color specifically, men too, mm-hmm. but me speaking because I am a woman, I don't want to speak for a man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I know talking to friends and then in my own experience, things that my mom feels that she had to be wary of or other women that I know who I'm friends with, whose mothers went through certain things and they have Mm -hmm. this fear where they're like, no, I don't want you to have to deal with this. Um, Whereas today in today's time, because we're growing up in a different era, we don't have that same fear. Or if we don't feel like we have to think about it as much, um, say like if a woman has been through something 
traumatic because of where they live, because of, Mm -hmm. you know, where something that they dealt with in their family and your child is in a better place than you are, but you still have that fear. You're, you're not in that same impoverished place or that, that, that space where things were a little more, there, it was scarier for you. Your child is in a healthier environment. Say like you moved out of this inner city area, you live in the suburbs now, but you still have this fear, that mm-hmm. same fear that you had mm-hmm. and you're teaching your daughter to be fearful as well. Not really knowingly, Right. It's all, well, not all of it, but most of it's subconscious. It's sub. Oh Mm -hmm. my gosh. It's always sub. It's like something I've had to talk to a lot with my women Mm -hmm. when I was in, um, working in substance abuse, things like this would come up where, Mm -hmm. you know, if their parents, you know, had certain fears and they're like, well, I've seen worse than them, that kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, we all have our own personal experiences, Mm -hmm. but these things shape us and how we feel as far as safety. And that's kind of the base of all this is safety and needs being met once again. Um, Cause that's sometimes one of the scariest things is your needs not being met. We're all out Mm -hmm. here working jobs and stuff. So our needs can be met. So it's like, that's kind of the base of life is sustaining and survival. Right. I think about that all the time. Like, you know, like I brought up earlier, that kind of um, the anxiety it can create in the body and that Mm -hmm. fight or flight response. And so, and I talk about this with, I would say almost every client I Mm -hmm. use this. And, and, and like I said, I'm not necessarily actively thinking, Oh, attachment theory, these four attachment styles, but I, I, when uh, with all of my clients, I'm, I mostly do like a family history and a, a relationship yes. history and all mm-hmm. that, just because it helps me see, okay, what were these relationships like? Mm-hmm. How were you taught to respond? Um, not that you were directly taught, but if your, you know, mother or father raged at you when you didn't do the dishes or something like that, that's teaching you something. You're going to yeah. take a message from that. Right. And so, um, and so then your, your body, your nervous system is rewired for that. And so now how could you feel safe in a relationship if that was the kind of environment that you grew up in? So how can we create safety now? It's kind yes. of how I train it in my mind. Now, I don't know if some, <laughs> maybe an attachment style therapist would be like, mm, so, okay, we got to work some things out. But right. that's kind of where my brain goes with all yeah. of that. But yeah, creating safety that's like the base yes yes and it's a lot of work to untangle some of that um and and you know too there's a spectrum I think as well Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. there's a spectrum on each of those those styles you know so even if um someone is more anxiously attached that doesn't mean you're full-blown like oh like you know um it's pathological or anything like that um it may just be that we all have tendencies I tend to do this I tend to do that how can I begin to work through some of this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think it's it's something that we don't think about in this way as children. Like I think about as a child, I wasn't thinking about what my attachment style was with my parents and all that. Like you don't. But as you become an adult, it can kind of help you in your current mm-hmm. relationships to mm-hmm. understand how those things developed over time as a younger human. Mm-hmm. going into an adult life and how you can feel more secure and work toward because I think that's what everybody's pretty much working toward is feeling more secure 
And I just had a thought too about children who live within blended families or if their parents right. are, are not right. together. That's a shock to the system as well. If the parent mm-hmm. that did, like say you have two parents that give you a secure attachment mm-hmm. style, that's that's traumatic as well. And it can be difficult it, it can to navigate. Be. It can be. But imagine if you're a child and you have a more secure attachment with your with your dad. Mm-hmm. And he isn't in the house anymore with you. You mm-hmm. just see him on weekends or mm-hmm. what have you. And you're with your mom who you kind of have maybe like a disorganized one. Right. And and as well, I mean, because I, I know we're, and maybe um, a lot of the studies I think did stem from like that mother-child mm-hmm. part of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, this was back when studies could be really um, unethical <laughs> and oh, they yeah. could kind of do whatever they wanted. But it also <laughs> makes me think too of like, um, like you, you're talking about almost like that disruption, yeah. like if, a, if there's a divorce and it, I'm also thinking too, like maybe things in the home are secure, but if a child is bullied or oh. there's a natural disaster, or like you said, like, a, um, like, a um, traumatic event in the area mm-hmm. that they live in, mm-hmm. um, you know, all of that, I think would be somehow affect, you oh, know, yeah. your, your wiring for relationships with others. Um, Definitely it may not be as clear cut as if we were to say, oh, well, you know, your mother was absent from these years to these years. And when, you know, but I I could see how that would play a role. Um, Or if maybe even in adulthood, you get into, you know, um, a relationship that's really either codependent or abusive or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, that may also shape someone's attachment style within romantic relationships, maybe not with their friends or their family members, but maybe in choosing their partners. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. 100%. I was thinking too, like about the other attachment style that is a little, um, that because folks, like I said, they break it down kind of like how Annie Chen breaks hers down into those three, the avoidant one, Mm -hmm. um, Sharon Martin had another listing of different qualities, but within this article, they were breaking it down as like people who tend to avoid their parents or caregivers showing no preference between a caregiver and a complete stranger. Hmm. Um, This attachment style may be a result of abusive or neglectful treatment caregiver would give and children who are punished for relying on a caregiver will learn to avoid seeking help in the future. And so as an adult, the qualities that may show up for an avoidant attachment is that they don't see the point in talking about their feelings. Mm. Um, I pride myself on being independent and doing things on mm-hmm. my own. People always let me down. Mm-hmm. I don't like to depend on people for, or ask for help. I'd rather do things myself. Relationships are a lot of work. I'm not sure they're worth it. I'm fine on my own. A lot of independent, like I had to figure it out myself. So, mm-hmm. hey, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I can seem standoffic or like I don't care feelings are overrated. <laughs> I oh, love gosh. you, but I don't want to spend every night together. Mm-hmm. I'm not ready to move in with you. I don't think I'm the marrying type. I don't need anything from anyone. I need time to myself. I'm not going to change for anyone. Um, yeah. It's like this constant belief of like, hey, it's just me. So I kind of have to do things my own way because that's pretty much what I've done my whole life. Right. And I can see to a certain degree that that, you know, independence is healthy. But then when I hear too of, um, gosh, some of to a certain degree, right, if we go to that extreme end of it, where everything is, I can only rely on myself, and I can't trust others. And, 
you know, all of that, then, well, I, you know, I hate to subscribe something as positive or negative, but I could see how, okay, if you're that level of quote unquote independent, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, but you desire to have a family one day, or you desire to have a partner one day, Mm -hmm. or even just a community around you, friends, whatever. Yeah. How are those relationships going to be, yeah, grow to you? Exactly. If you don't let anybody in, um, but it is, it's also understandable too. Like exactly. it makes sense that if you grew up in a certain environment where that independence was needed for survival to a certain extent, um, then yeah, why would you rely on other people? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. why would you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. So, <laughs> it makes so, me think um, too about women yeah. who may like have that. And a lot of people, like you said, that independence, they take pride mm-hmm. in being able to do things themselves. Mm-hmm. But there's this level of, it makes me wonder, because I've I've had clients like this in the past where they've talked like that, where it's like, well, mm-hmm. my mom wasn't there for me. So, mm-hmm. you know, I had to get it myself. But then there mm-hmm. was this like shedding process mm-hmm. where over time, I can think of a few where it was like this shedding that happened where they were just like, I just needed her to be there though. Or I just yeah. needed somebody to, I wish I could talk to my parent. I wish I could mm-hmm. talk to my, you know, caregiver that, raise mm-hmm. me but I don't have that um mm-hmm. and that's that's tough because it does kind of create this thick skin as folks say where you yeah. don't feel you're like I exist independently when really you don't and there's still this in inner working of a human being that needs connection we are we're wired all for of us it. we're wired for it so whenever you're wired for it and you don't get it and you kind of create this like freezing of the wiring like where you're just like I don't want mm-hmm. I don't know what to do with this. That's another mm-hmm. thing too. I think it's just, it's a part of like, I don't know what to do with this. Um, and that's why it was saying those folks can tend to see therapy as pointless or feel that, yeah. you know, I, what's the point? Why would I go talk to somebody about this when I don't even feel anything regarding all that? I just, you know, I need to do my job, do my work, mind my business and call it a day. Yeah, um, And that's tough. The other one that I think kind of led me to wanting to have this episode is the anxious attachment as they were breaking it down. And I think that's the anxious mm-hmm. ambivalent, of course. Um, Sharon Martin broke it down into these different statements. And um, the reason I'm reading these is because I think it could really help like simplify it and help folks mm-hmm. to be like, oh, that might be more on my end. But of course, right. if you want to know more about your attachment style within Anne, Annie Chen's book, she has an assessment and then on her website, she has an assessment too. And I believe it's like the attachmentquiz.net or .com. I'm gonna let y'all know for sure. Um, Cause I want to take it myself because it seems yeah. pretty like yeah. eye-opening. Like, gosh, okay. I never thought about it in depth of what my attachment style could be or if I have pieces, bits and pieces of each, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think that's possible too. Like you were saying, you know, on this spectrum, you could identify things about yourself that um, may show up in some of them, you know, um, right. Way more complex than I think what we may give it, but the anxious attachment style as Sharon Martin broke down. Someone with this style may think or say, I want to be close to you, but I'm not sure you want to be emotionally close to me. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be with you or in contact with you all the time. I don't like to be alone. I need constant reassurance of your love and commitment. I feel anxious about whether our relationship will last. I worry that you'll leave me. Um, I question whether you love me as much as I love you. 
I can't tolerate uncertainty or ambiguity about our relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, I wonder if there's something wrong with me that makes you pull away. So there's like this self-blame. Yes, I hear that. Am I not enough uh, for you? Or I think you're the best thing since sliced bread, but do you think that Mm -hmm. about me? Exactly. Um, I've been told I'm needy or high maintenance. My insecurity makes me jealous. When I feel anxious about my relationships, I may frantically do things to get your attention and reassurance, Mm -hmm. such Mm -hmm. as texting you repeatedly or obsessively think about us and how to fix our relationship or win you back. So this is like on a, on a partnership basis, Mm -hmm. little things like not answering the phone when I call can make me anxious and question your love for me. Yeah. You see that a lot with, um, with the population I work with, which is, um, you know, young adults. Um, this is, oh my gosh, every, it's like, and, and I think that is, well, I think it's a, a part of, um, dating and part mm-hmm. of when we do enter those kind of romantic realms. So I think some of that is developmentally appropriate, Yes, but sure. when it gets to that degree of maybe all, that whole list that Ava just read, checking off all those boxes, and that's an every relationship that's when it's like ooh, ooh, ooh. this is not this is not good for you this is not healthy for you if you are anxious again if your nervous system is firing off at every unanswered text or every unanswered call yeah or or maybe they just say something and and their tone sounds off you know? yes and that's you take exhausting. that as that something's up with you yeah and and I could see too how, you know, we hear a lot about, um, I'm sure not only just as therapists, but um, I'm sure anyone who's listening has heard of someone who has had um, been cheated on or had infidelity in their relationship. Yes. These tendencies will start to kind of come out, if not in the relationship that with the partner who cheated or in their next relationship, you know, mm-hmm. um, that trust is broken, that security is broken. Um, and that has to, that's something that has to be healed. Definitely. It's like a lot of work surrounding the anxious attachment style because they want that connection. They crave it almost Mm -hmm. like it's like, I know that this is something they love being around people. I think this is a very common one. Like, yes, super common among all people, because once again, going back to something we learned in our program, and mm-hmm. I, I believe this thoroughly is that anxiety is something that's within every human being. You're going to experience it in some way. It's like this, it's this response we get, but anxiety as a disorder is a little different, you know? Um, right. Right. It's, it's going to happen. You're going to feel some anxiousness and uncertainty when it comes to being in a relationship with people, because even mm-hmm. though we are connected to others and that we, we crave connection, we need connection. We're wired that way. We also um, don't read people's minds. Exactly. We can't read people's minds. And we know that lies are a thing and mm-hmm. fairy tales and fallacies are a thing. People give us these, these things that may not be completely true. And so we have this skepticism and uncertainty and, and concern about whether or not people are being upfront and real with us. And I think that's something I see within that. Uh, one of the beautiful things about folks with an anxious attachment style is they're so giving. Mm-hmm. Um, they will give their last, but then they don't know where that bound is. Like they, they often struggle with boundaries. That's something that I've been reading Mm -hmm. in there too. Like, it's like, okay, I need to be everything to you. Right. And that's not realistic. Yeah. It's burnout central. (laughs) 
and it makes me think of control, which with anxiety, mm-hmm. control is always like those two are, you know, oh, always man. somewhat connected. And, mm-hmm. and the, I could see how with someone who is may, maybe falls into that anxiously attached category, um, you can't control what another person does. And that is very difficult for, I think, people who fall in that realm to accept and that, you know, I want to feel like they're loyal to me and that, you know, they're committed to me forever and I need that reassurance. However, Mm -hmm. no human being can give you that assurance. No one can give you that assurance, even if they're the most loyal, honest, whatever type of person. um, It seems like that that trust has to come from within you know um you're taking a chance with any relationship you step into Mm. and so um I think the difficulty with that anxious style is is you have to learn to trust that you know this person is who they say they are that their Mm -hmm. behaviors are consistent yes um and if they let you down or if that trust is broken you're still going to be okay you're going to you can survive that you can survive that you can live through that and and be okay through that Um, But I think that their message is, I can't, I won't be okay if that happens. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like I need you um, to feel good about me is something Mm -hmm. I think about too. Mm -hmm. Um, And another thing from that uh, Brighton document uh, article, they had said, and it stood out to me when I read it recently, where they were saying, in order to become disentangled from an anxiously attached way of thinking, you must first give up hope of your needs to be met by others. Like yeah. you, you have to give up that expectation. And that's very difficult when you are mm-hmm. programmed a certain way and you, mm-hmm. you live this way for so long. It takes work. It takes therapy. It takes affirmation. It takes simply just like simply and like effort, just full of effort, mm-hmm. figuring out your way of thinking and how it's not helpful to you. And then making it helpful to you mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. understanding that, yes, we don't exist in this world independently. I can have connection with people, but also know that within me, that's where I need to have that security. Right. You not base your security, your, your security as your person off of other people. Mm-hmm. But you do need to feel secure in your relationships. So it's like mm-hmm. this, this like this little Libra scale of like figuring out how to, you know, navigate and balance that. That balance of how am I taking care of me and making sure that I am, you know, taking care of myself and, Mm -hmm. and finding happiness within, you know, just my own world, my own being and joy Mm -hmm. and peace and comfort. Um, Having the relationship also provide those things, but not being all that your happiness and joy is contingent upon, but also noticing like, okay, is my partner meeting my emotional needs? Is my partner being consistent? If they're not, then maybe that's not the partner for you. Exactly. You know, that, that, but you're right. It's a balance and, and it is a mm. dance of figuring all of that out. Um, and it's not like mutually ex- like exclusive. Like you need both in those yes. in relationships. Like and you need that. Mm-hmm. What you just said kind of hit something for me too, where I was thinking Mm -hmm. about how it is a balance, but it's also this like intertwined experience of understanding Mm -hmm. that another person, you being able to differentiate and understand another person's like worth or yes, like say you're in a relationship, I I have to use an example, like say you're in a relationship with someone, you don't know that you're an anxiously, a person with that type of thinking or that attachment style that developed in your life. Mm -hmm. You're in that space. 
I'm gonna use it from a woman's perspective. You're in a relationship with someone and they may tend to make you feel their actions, maybe subconsciously, probably. Um, they make you feel like you have to work harder than them or you feel like you have to work harder than them because they're not putting in that same amount of work as you are or effort, or they don't reassure you every two minutes, or they don't give you, you know, mm-hmm. those things that you feel you need as an anxiously attached individual in those moments it's important like in order to strengthen that security and feeling like you have a more secure attachment I think it's understanding the difference between looking at their actions and taking them personally mm-hmm. like I think that's another struggle in this attachment style is taking mm-hmm. what the other person is doing personally mm-hmm. right, right like this person is doing that because there's something wrong with me or I'm not giving them what they need exactly. so let me work harder when really it's like separating yourself from that individual mm-hmm. and looking at why you feel like you need to be everything for that person and why you need mm-hmm. to be or it's it's your fault that mm-hmm. they're not they're not giving you what you need mm-hmm. like you said maybe it's because they are going through something maybe it's because yeah. they have an anxious yep. attachment style or they are guarded or avoided mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. they don't know how to connect with you or give you those things like in turn like you have to be your own well yes yes like yes be your own well like if you depend on other people to seek that for you it's going to be very difficult that's where that like self-esteem and self-love and self Mm -hmm. just all the selves that comes in yeah that's where those trusts come in yeah Mm -hmm. no I think that's a great example because you're right you know if an anxious attached person gets in a relationship with an avoidant person guess what? That's not about you. And like, you know what I mean? Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's maybe that person has difficulty in being consistent in their relationships and communicating and being vulnerable. Whereas you maybe if as the anxious person would be craving all of that, right. Craving that. And they can't give it to you. Not, and, and not that we're talking about all this and, and not to say you're, you're going to see that, you know, it's very, I think challenging to see, Oh, I'm anxiously attached and they must be avoided. I mean, that's really hard to really suss out. It is, it is. Um, but you can look at the behaviors, you know, you can look yes. at, okay, I'm craving this. Mm-hmm. One, is this reasonable? Am I asking too much of a person? But mm-hmm. you can also look at their behaviors and be like, well, they said they were going to call me. They never called me. Or, you know, they said they were going to, you know, they really value communication, but guess what? They don't ever communicate with me. And when I try to bring up emotions, they shut me down. You yes. can look at those behaviors and see, mm-hmm. is that working for you? Is yes. that something that's going to help your relationship? And not even just in romantic ones, but friendships, sibling relationships, parent relationships, um, maybe even with coworkers or people who you work with, you need to feel secure in that environment as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think looking at the behaviors and, and, and see, and using that as kind of your baseline, you don't necessarily have to put them in a category of attachment. No, you don't have to. And mm-hmm. I think it's Marcel and I are using this as a base to kind of like categorize or like theory, like use the theory as a means to help us to kind of like mm-hmm. gather more information about specifics and like how things mm-hmm. may show up in each person. And I truly believe that some people can have a touch of both or a few different characteristics, kind of like when folks may say, (laughs) I have this shirt that I bought from this young lady who, um, and this, this is, this is, it has a point to it (laughs) because it's random. (laughs) I'm just like, I have a shirt. 
she has this uh this young lady who has I can't remember I think it's called Greenbox Shop and she creates these shirts that have like social um advocacy based like stuff on it Frank Ocean wore one y'all know that's my boy Frank wore one years ago and I saw it and I was like oh snap I think he was performing at Coachella or something he was performing somewhere big and the shirt said if you have something homophobic uh racist sexist whatever to say maybe don't say anything it was something like that and the girl had a shop of shirts and I saw one of the shirts said mental illnesses are not adjectives it's one of my favorite shirts to wear and when mm. folks make comments about like I'm so OCD or right, so, right. um they acting bipolar or whatever or they nar- they're a narcissist you're a narcissist okay so here's the thing someone can have this is something I've been wanting to say on this show for a while someone can have characteristics of something for right. sure and that People doesn't mean they're full blown exactly and and also so and yeah not to derail you from your thing but like when we say oh they're OCD or I'm OCD or they're bipolar or they're a narcissist those are actual issues that people have absolutely we should meet them with empathy exactly do these people always have healthy boundaries and treat people in healthy ways no but we do not need to use those as adjectives like Ava said these are people with serious mental health issues that need to be taken care of we don't need to use those as insults yeah exactly it's a noun not an adjective like Mm -hmm. it's an actual thing that affects people that has meaning Mm -hmm. and when we say things like that and I think people do it very innocently they don't mean harm any Mm -hmm. harm by saying it but there is harm within saying it where you could if you're around a person like say you're at school and college and you're like you know trying to I, I didn't go through like um, a, a fraternity or so, uh, a sorority process, but I could imagine like you're learning about the people that you're going to be joining this group with. And if you're saying like, you know, I'm, I'm y'all, I'm bipolar, I'm OCD. I just, just my mood changes this, that, and the third. And someone in that room mm-hmm. actually exactly. struggles with obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah. It's going to come off a way and they may not be able to feel that they can trust you because you're talking about it in a way that's kind of like this is a flaw about me I'm telling y'all about it or I'm it's cute because I'm so neat and it's like just say that you're neat and you put things away right place that they belong or that's not what OCD (laughs) right (laughs) and I'm saying that to kind of shed light on this because attachment disorders are a thing as well exactly there so yes. you going after you listen to soul search this week if you <laughs> listening to this show and you go about around your friends and you like y'all i just found out that i have attachment, attachment disorder and it's like no uh-huh. we didn't tell you that what it is is that you may see some of that in yourself it is up to you like say if you really want to learn more about this i think it's beauty mm-hmm. within learning but we have to leave the work to the professionals and if mm-hmm. you really feel that this is something you struggle with, go see someone that is certified in something like this. Yes, there um, are a therapist who, um, if you go to psychology today and type in attachment therapist mm-hmm. or something like that, that'll mm-hmm. show up and they can really help you dive deep. But I love that you brought that up because we're certainly not advocating for you to self-diagnose or diagnose oh. of, um, you can begin to learn more. You can look at your behaviors, the behaviors of people in your life. Um, but if you're really looking to get a more concrete diagnosable, you know, um, you know, conversation going, um, then certainly look 
towards a professional. Don't do that on your own. That's, that's one, it's a lot for you to take on. And two, um, we don't want people to ruin their relationships or hurt their relationships by diagnosing the people in their life. That's not, that's not fun. That's not a good time. It's not. (laughs) And it's, it's not something to, to look at people and judge them for what they have, because number one, we're all people. We are all trying to figure life out as we go. And in the midst of this, we don't want to overcomplicate our relationships and and the things that we're dealing with, like approach everything with empathy. And you know, what's fun y'all like, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Marcella's boo is here. I did. Okay. Oh my gosh. Love a pup. Um, (laughs) It's so sweet too. Looking like a storybook character. Um, so what was that girl? Girl, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's okay. I got distracted by the sweet, sweet baby puppy dog. Okay. Um, girl, I forgot. I forgot too. Cause you know what? I associated puppy with baby and I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to go get Oliver later. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to cuddle my baby. Um, Um, he's so fun. So even thinking about that, that's something too. I was thinking about that. I saw so many articles online about how to raise a securely attached child. And I was like, oh, the pressure, like yeah. it was so yeah. much, because there's so much that goes into raising a securely attached child. Um, and here's the thing. I was looking into that as well. And there's some really great information on that, but there's so like, once again, pressure to, raise children or, or be a securely attached individual. And I think it's a process just like a person who's recovering from mm-hmm. having debilitating anxiety. Like it is a process. So you're going to be trying to figure out how to navigate that for the rest of your life. And you're going to, mm-hmm. there's going to be moments where it's going to get more difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, say mm-hmm. you do work. I think about this often for folks who are single um, because I've treated people in the past, like clients who have told me, you know, Hey, I, I really want to work on myself before I get in a relationship, you know, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of times we spend time co- uncovering and like going over things that happened over the course of their life. Like you said, going over family history, going over personal history, talking about traumatic events, talking about moments where they felt abandoned. And that's something that comes up a lot for people that I see is abandonment. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of a Kendrick Lamar song um oh so good I gotta find the name of it but he talks about um I have abandonment issues and like all the different things that he deals with as as a as a man and as a black man and like feeling like abandonment is something that can show up not only in your family but it could show up in friendships it could show up in like um when when you're a part of organizations it could show Mm -hmm. up in so many ways where people are outcasted Mm -hmm. for whatever reason or abandonment is like a very multifaceted subject yes Once again, I think we found another topic we could cover later on. Mm-hmm. It's like with people of color, the experience of a mm-hmm. can be quite unique um, due to various reasons. Um, yeah, yeah. Just historic, yeah, historically, historically so, like systemically, systemically. And it, it's really hard to put into words, but you know, yeah. you, obviously if you listen regularly to this podcast, you know, we think about the system a lot and, and systemic racism and all that. And I think it's just important to be mindful of how that does play a role and how someone attaches to others, how they may perceive abandonment issues. Um, 
I mean, it, yeah, it, it's, I think it's just important to, to see how all of these things like are interwoven. Yes. I don't know that we could put that very eloquently or really sum yeah. that up because it is so big. I mean. um, but I think it's just important to be mindful of, of how it does transcend generations and finances. And Ooh, yeah, um, that too. The, yeah, like you brought up earlier, geography, where people live, the neighborhood, housing issues, all these things, um, you know, the, the justice system, when people, you know, go to prison or not go to prison, all those things. So um, again, I don't know that we could sum that up, you know, with a bow on it, but all these things play a role in how we relate to others. Um, so that's just important to be mindful of, especially if you're doing your own exploration and your own attachment issues and style. It, yeah, that's something to be, to definitely like keep at the front of your mind is the fact that like we all have these, um, unique experiences culturally, especially people of color. I think mm -hmm. any person, I think women too, we have different mm -hmm. experiences when it comes mm -hmm. to attachment and this need, I think on the other end of things, just as I was talking about is that need to feel that you're raising your child well enough. That's a real thing yeah, um, exactly. for any woman, um, but being a woman of color and being a woman in the South and being, um, you know, a, a, a single parent, even like, you know, if you're a mother mm -hmm. raising a son by yourself, that's hard work. Mm -hmm. um, so figuring out like how to add those cultural implications in, or just more so be mindful of the fact that you have these things, but it does not have to deter you. I think that's something I have to think about too. Right. Like, yes, I'm raising a black son, but how am I gonna make that something that's more strength-based while also having him remain mindful when he's 10, 11, 12, even mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. like, hey, oh, you gotta be careful when it comes to certain things, but also mm -hmm. know to walk with pride in your in your, mm -hmm. in your ethnicity and in, in the mm -hmm. fact that you're a little black boy in the south you know um even in, really anywhere just like knowing and the kids who are you know speak more than one language or things like that children who are raised in households of that whole assimilation thing I think about all of that and how like you have that on top of trying to feel secure because you're unique yes. because you have all this stuff yeah and so it's so many things with this. Um, and once again, it's one of those topics where you could just dive in and just like a downward spiral in the best way of just like really an upward spiral because you're learning. So yeah. it's an upward yeah. spiral of like yeah. gathering information, but not allowing it to overwhelm you because I think right. education is great. But sometimes with these things, when it comes to psychology and the mind and philosophy and all of the great things like that, um, it can be quite heavy. So take your time mm -hmm. trying to understand it if you choose to do so. Um, because me and Marcel learned about this when back in 2015, 16, mm -hmm. 17, we were learning about this and um, using it in our practice and stuff. And now we're just like revisiting it. I'm just revisiting it for the first yes. time. Yes, I really want to get a deep, I mean, just personally, one of my, like, um, what's it called? Kind of just professional goals is feeling more, more secure and, and? <laughs> discussing that. <laughs> All right. And now I really do want to do more of a deep dive because I, I, I mean, I think just the way I conceptualize attachment just plays such a role. So I'm really glad. It was just okay. funny that you brought that up. 
Um, Cause I was just talking to um, one of my bosses about, you know, yeah, really, I want to learn about this because I use it, but I need to be, I need, I need to be more intentional with, with what I'm doing with it. So yeah, just funny how things work out that, that way. <laughs> but lastly, I wanted to look mm-hmm. at something with secure attachment, because like I said, I think we're all just kind of like working toward that. Um, in Annie Chin's book, she talks about people with secure attachment style being folks who are able to easily make adjustments to new information and changing circumstances. They feel hopeful about and prioritize relationships. I think that's what we're all trying to get to, right? Like, mm-hmm. That's awesome. Know, that, isn't that great? Value repair when there has been an injury or breach within a relationship. So yeah, I love that. Not that they're without struggle. That's no, that's the thing. Yeah, I was reading something and it said there's no such thing as 100% secure attachment. There's gonna, I mean, because we, again, it goes back to we cannot control other people. Yes. So there will be times where people in our lives hurt us or, or hurt our feelings or, you know, are dishonest with us, things like that. But I love the, they value the repair yes. and that a lot of relationships are actually repairable. You can yes. fix that and the relationship can still be strong. Um, not every, you know, not every conflict means it's going to be, oh, this relationship's over and I can't, you know, this person can't be in my life anymore. And I think that's kind of what secure attachment, um, Mm -hmm. shows Mm -hmm. at at its best, at its best. And then there's times where you have to know, okay, maybe this relationship isn't serving me, so I got to go, you know, but, um, but I love that. That's beautiful. Also, the last thing is that they handle differences and complexity in relationships with confidence. So there's this building of people are not just straight up born confidence. I think confident confidence is something that builds over time. Like you may have, you know, an ability to tap into it a little easier than Mm -hmm. others, but Mm -hmm. especially within relationships, because relationships are not meant to be like Mm -hmm. sunshine and rainbows in Cartoon Network, you know, like it's meant to be with lessons involved with with things with challenges you're going to be met with challenges in many areas within relationships and I think it's just saying folks with secure attachment are a lot more optimistic about handling those things you know they're not like say if something happens with their partner where um, they don't feel very reassured for whatever reason um, they're able to understand well maybe they're going through something there might be a little more ability to like understand empathy from a healthier perspective there's a lot more um, I think security when it comes to boundaries and being able to set Mm -hmm. boundaries Mm -hmm. Um, and that's something that a lot of us may not have been taught you know I think people bring up boundaries so much and I think it's because we do kind of falter when it comes to and struggle with and are finding balance with these attachment styles or these characteristics of these attachment styles because we the boundaries are like a clear-cut indicator you know what is mm-hmm. it that you, why is it hard for us to set boundaries? What is it that mm-hmm. we're losing if we do, you know, is it that mm-hmm. I want to be well-liked or what have you? I always admire right. people. Mm-hmm. Being a person who struggles with setting boundaries, mm-hmm. clearly myself, I will say it gladly because it's a process. And mm-hmm. I'll even tell clients too, you know, I've had clients tell me, you know, I just don't know how to do it. And I'm like, I didn't either. I think a lot of us don't. I think it's something <laughs> I that- avoid it. <laughs> Girl, I know. I am very transparent with my clients, especially over time. You know, I've had clients come in, and I think they—that's something I think we need to talk about too—is like when Mm -hmm. clients think that you got it together. No, boo, I don't. I Mm -mm. will tell you, um, I'm very real about like 
how I come in and, and it's like, yeah, I'm going to be professional, but I'm also going to let you know that I am a human being with, with, with error. And yes. Yes. You need to see that so that you don't come in here and feel like you need to be perfect for me. Mm-hmm. Cause work's not going to get done if you're already perfect. Mm-hmm. If you're, you don't, you're never going to be. I ain't, right. you ain't, nobody is. Um, but with that being said, I think boundaries is something that comes up so often in therapy um, when it comes to like being able to tell a parent no or to tell a sibling no or to tell a partner no or to let people know that you need a break, things like that. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of that has to do with this feeling with the anxious attachment style characteristic of like being enough for everyone. And right. That's another way to turn it inward is like setting that bound, learning, okay, first of all, relationship with self, number one, right now. Sometimes we need to do that. I think all of the time. But whenever you're struggling with setting bounds and like having that ability to process and like Marcella was saying, like gather this thing, these things that you're seeking in others within yourself, you you have to turn it inward and really do the work on understanding, mm-hmm. yes, like right now I need to nurture me. Mm-hmm. and learn how to reparent maybe and like mm-hmm. figure out how yeah. to yeah. gather that and like have that security within myself it's a very difficult process though yeah. you know it sounds pretty as we're talking about it but it's not easy it's not and and so ha- having guidance from a therapist I think is super important and and, and a lot of this work especially if it is like navigating, you know, years of, of maybe some emotional trauma or, Mm -hmm. you know, tumultuous relationships or things like that. I mean, I I think it's, it's, um, very important to consider, you know, entering your own therapy as you're, as you're navigating this, but hopefully today was just an introduction and, and maybe these are some things your, your wheels are spinning and you can kind of, um, reflect on some of these things and evaluate how your relationships are going within your family, within your romantic life and socially. Um, so yeah, hopefully this is just the beginning for some of (laughs) y'all. Yeah, definitely. It is for me, for sure. Like Marcella was saying, I think we're both going to spend more time with this because, because it's such a, it's such a, um, person involved, like the, the personal relationship with self Mm -hmm. and others. Um, it's something that's going to come up a lot in our work and in, in whenever you are a counselor, I think something I'm learning is like when you're doing work with others you have to do the work with yourself and really know what that looks like in order to really be sound within the work that you're doing. And so with this coming up so often, it's something I definitely want to dive in with for myself as a part of like my self-care and my Um, self-reflection. So yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Um, Doesn't have to be overwhelming. Spend some time with it if you so choose. Um, And yeah, we're going to move on to our next segment. Yeah, what is feeding our souls? (laughs) Yeah, so for you, do you know what yours is? What's feeding your soul in these these days? In these, right? Probably a lot to pull from. I know, what is feeding my soul? Oh my goodness, I feel like so much has happened since we last had to think about this. I mean, oh my God, I think, okay, how do I put this? Oh, I can say yes. Okay. So, cause I was thinking like 
I think since the inauguration, not to, you know, of course get political, I have not felt a renewed sense of like, oh my gosh, flip a switch, nothing like that. But because, you know, <laughs> we still got a lot of work to do. But it was very, it, that fed my soul, just seeing, um, oh, yeah. just seeing, you know, um, uh, I think her name's Amanda Gorman do her poem. Oh, yes. Um, oh. All of the people Paris. involved, just the coverage of it, I think was was inspiring and in, in, mm-hmm. in some ways, you know, and, and mm-hmm. kind of uplifting. But, but stemming off of that, um, I've really tried to do a better job of monitoring my own, like, reaction to the news and misinformation and watching people, you know, kind of give into these conspiracy theories um, mm-hmm. and all that. We, you know, we saw what damage that can do, um, like at what happened at the Capitol on January 6th and all that. And so I've really tried to monitor my own emotional reaction. I'm really trying to take care of myself as all of this is unfolding, not only, you know, changes in our, our, you know, administration, but also Mm -hmm. like all these other things that are the results of that. And so there's this Instagram called Sharon says so, and she is a, she was a government teacher for years. And now she like hosts these workshops called government for grownups. And what I really like about her is she's all about the facts. So people will kind of send in questions about like, hey, you know, people are saying that, you know, so-and-so is going to do this. Is that legal? Or like so-and-so is going to declare martial law. Is that legal? And she's like, this is why this is not going to happen. These are the facts. And and she and she really she never says what she doesn't say what political party she identifies with, anything like that. Um, she's very empathetic towards both people who identify as right leaning or left leaning. Um, and, and she really encourages discussions of like, okay, obviously we're not changing each other's minds. How can people collaborate Mm. and, and how can, how can we reach compromise? And she really just brings it back to like, you know, when our founding fathers were developing the constitution and all that, not every, not one side won, there was compromise. And so I think just her, Mm. not only so her facilitating compromise, just like in her DMs and all that, but also like giving these workshops and also like bringing things back to like factual information has just kind of renewed hope in me and that people can have healthy discussions surrounding like political issues and social justice issues and all of that. So I would say that's what's feeding my soul. I would encourage anyone who maybe feels a bit overwhelmed by kind of the bipartisanship of things like on social media, I would encourage them to check her out because she is this beautiful, healthy middle ground. You know, Mm -hmm. she, she invites the conversation, but it's never ugly. And, um, I don't know. I think she just values both perspectives, but she also just brings it back to the facts. What is, what is the law? What is not the law? Um, and she's really mindful of like her own, she doesn't give her own opinions, which is cool. So I feel like not only am I learning, but I'm seeing a really good example of how these conversations can be facilitated. Mm. You know, I've seen her pop up she's very she's gaining so much popularity just because she is so not she's yeah she's not um you you don't know what where she leans people have their guesses but like (laughs) you know she's not yeah she's really I don't know she's really kind of given me a sense of peace and trying to stay informed because I do like to stay informed that's just in my nature um but yeah, I would encourage anyone who maybe is looking to learn and, and be able to get hear about different perspectives other than your own. Um, I, would, I would encourage y'all to check her out. Why does she look like she's Adele's cousin? 
She does. Oh my God. Yeah. She's so cute. She's from Minnesota. She reminds she's, me of Adele. And um, yeah, she does look like Adele. Who's the one Adele claims she looked like? Is Sarah Paulson? Is that her yeah. name? Sarah Paulson is Wait, um, I'm tripping. the one from. Adele? I don't know who you're yes. talking about. I mean, she's their cousin too. They have that same like. Like nose and like. <laughs> yes, bones, and like cheekbones. Jawline. That's so funny. <laughs> They're like all related in the face. That's so cute. Yeah. I like her already because she's it's, giving me comfy and fun mm-hmm. and like just this is it. Um, mm-hmm. I want all of y'all to be okay. Like it doesn't have to be rage filled. Let's just like exactly that's the because be- you know look I'm not innocent. There's been things in my Facebook comments where people getting into it and all this stuff, but she just brings it back to yeah you may feel this way, but is that based in fact? Is this based on correct information? Like she's all about dispelling the misinformation and all of that, but she's also not doing it in a shaming or partisan way. She's not saying, oh, well, you know, Republicans always do this and Democrats. No, no, she just keeps it. She just keeps it neutral and just like, yeah. I adore cool. that. Yeah, it's great. It's real. I just, I feel like it's taken off a bunch of stress. <laughs> I don't feel the need to like argue my point. Instead, I can navigate like hopefully an empathetic and like adult conversation surrounding those issues. Mm-hmm. Cause that can be very stressful, like navigating yes. how to handle that. And she sets a good example of like how to do it. In a yes. way that mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to spend some time with it. I'm going to have to try yes, to watch I my, would encourage um, it. my um, time though. Cause I will, people like her, I will sit there and just watch all the videos at one time. And yes, then- I do that too. I need to watch myself. Cause she, she has a lot on there. She so does. What, is, what is feeding your soul? it's hard because I will say in my personal life it's been a lot of movement like the move Mm -hmm. to Houston is going to be quite an interesting one and it's been a process for a very long time and it's finally happening and I've just been kind of preparing myself mentally for it um mine is not related to something I've been consuming 100% but uh, a friend of mine told me about this (laughs) this children's music that (laughs) is very much it's just fun um there's this gentleman named Blake Rules and the Nether Friends I think let me see <laughs> so cute but he has some That's really so like silly adult stuff too but he makes this this I mean there's so many of them um called Trap Kids oh my god <laughs> oh it's Trap <laughs> In order for me to prepare myself for the fact that I'm not going to be listening to, you know, my adult ridiculous music, because yes, I am very much like the Gen Zers and I like some of this foolishness that they listen to. And yeah. I also really like, I just have very unique music taste. Um, right. I can't listen to, you know, like um, Travis Scott with Oliver when we're like, you know, when he's right. three for him to go. Right. To he's going to be about. repeating all of that. Yeah. Um, or other things I listen to too, who are that are a lot more ridiculous than Travis Scott. But this gives me that 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 like instrumentation and the beats that I need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for While also Marcella. talking about Marcella, when I tell you, so good. Okay, so Trap Kids. I'm trying to see how many editions he has. He also has has Trap Kids. Stop it. Actually, it's Kids Trap. Okay. Kids Trap Halloween. He just came out with that. I have to save it. Um, Kids Trap. Is this Christmas? 
Yeah, Kids Trap Christmas, Kids Trap 15. So he has 15 editions of the Kids Trap music. That is so funny. So it basically, what I'm assuming is it's like trap style music, but without the cursing the and cur- the themes. and It's all children's based. So like that's Oliver's hilarious. favorite right now, that's been his favorite for like months, is Dinosaurs. And it's a song about dinosaurs. And it's like dinosaurs, dino dinosaurs. And the beat is just like fire. Okay. How like funny. Good for you though, because you know, you need to get some enjoyment out of all that too. You know, you don't need to be listening to like the wiggles. Like, yes, I kid you not. When I pick him up from staying with my cousin during the day, sometimes when I'm like working or getting things done, I'll pick him up and he's kind of fussy because it's later in the day. Mm -hmm. And I put that on and he stops. Mm. just totally and I had to start with dinosaurs and then I could let the rest of it play so I have a whole playlist full of kids trap stuff because this man has so many so they have a song called empathy that's m- one of my favorites and it's about having empathy for your friends so if my friends oh my are sad, I'm gonna help them I drew him a picture like it's just so cute um that sounds floor so is lava um we need trees I love doing math I love reading books <laughs> making music um there's a song about bees and like the how bees help you know the environment everybody needs a hug puppies he has a song called puppies it's one of the biggest hits he has and it's so funny that is so cute a song about jumping just like um the seatbelt song that's another one I think is really cute tie your shoes the grateful song so he has all these different it's very like things I want to teach my son yeah exactly. things I think a lot of people want to teach their kids but it's in these little sweet corny songs but also with some swag with some I mean when I tell you the production like when when Dijon heard them he was just like wow I didn't expect this to be like this it's just really good and the reason it feeds my soul is because it's like I can have both the the fun like I could bob my head to yeah, it. I know him. Yeah. the entire first album. Like I know it because I put it on in the car. It, I, if I listen to my own music or if I listen to podcasts, like Oliver's not going to be into it. Right, right. But knowing yeah. that he's going to be trying to talk soon and stuff like that, like I'm, I'm starting early. And once he gets bigger, he'll probably love it. And my friend Tiana put me onto it because she works with children on the autism spectrum. Um. And when she was working out in Dallas, she would play it for them. And then she said they would just like enjoy themselves to no end. Like they would be dancing and like, ooh, you know, dinosaurs is a hit though. Go check it out. So cute. Well, no, that totally makes sense that it's feeding your soul because not only is it like helping Oliver and he's going to have so many good social skills and all that. (laughs) He's going to have great taste in music, but you're also able to like stay sane and like not get tired of like the mindless like nursery rhymes the cocoa melons of the world I can't yes like yes. not all the time so in the car we listen to kids trap and um old school stuff that he likes he enjoys you know a good beat I can tell he swings his little head and starts bouncing and stuff um, I can't do hot dog hot dog hot diggity dog every day so I was like let me find something let me really implement this and it's been feeding my soul because it makes him happy and clearly he enjoys it already at just a year so that's mine and hopefully a parent out there is like oh okay this is cute yes hopefully a parent can uh, use this and and maybe save themselves some some sanity from (laughs) some of the music they might be subjected to and it's funny like it's actually very funny um he has a song called I love my mom 
Mm-hmm. And it's like when my mom tells me to clean my room, clean my room because I love my mom. And then <laughs> when my mom tells me to be really quiet and then he whispers, I be really quiet because oh. I love my mom. That is so cute. <laughs> so oh, my oh my gosh. Oh. And it's adorable. So I hope that did something for somebody because it yes. definitely just makes me laugh and it's sweet. So yeah, that's mine. Okay. Well, thank you all for joining us again for another episode. And hopefully we will be back soon after the move and all of that. We will be back as soon as we can. Yeah, with like a a pretty decent little little schedule where y'all can see us a little bit this year. And we'll talk about some really good things. Um, And it was fun. So, yeah, we'll see y'all. Talk to y'all. Hear from y'all later. Yep. All right. Bye. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.